0: Hi and welcome to Voices Unheard. I'm currently sitting at my desk feeling very guilty because I'm the kind of person who starts ideas and never finishes them. There's a folder on my desktop called Voices Unheard Podcast, which has been there for two years, staring back at me. I had big plans for a podcast that spanned across several countries, interviewing people all over the world. Unfortunately, with the global pandemic, I didn't get to carry through with those plans, and I began to lose hope that this project could be something of any worth. But still, the folder is sat there on my desktop in the too hard and lost interest region of my brain. But two years after recording these interviews, I opened up the folder again and I was reminded of why I decided to start this podcast. My dream for this podcast was to interview ordinary people who saw something wrong with the world and decided to do something about it. These people are all people who saw injustice in the world, particularly in developing countries and decided to make real sacrifices. People who saw something bigger than themselves, and in spite of all challenges, setbacks, and at times a loss of motivation and interest, decided to push through and make a real difference. I hope to be like these people, and finishing a small podcast I started two years ago is a small step towards being like these people. Before we get into their stories, I should introduce myself. My name's Marcus, I'm 23, I live in Australia, and I think as I've explained, I'm a well-intentioned guy with terrible execution. When I was 13, I fell in love with telling stories and making movies when my mum told me I should volunteer at church on the media team. It was that time at church with a camera in my hands and being exposed to stories of people less fortunate than me that made me interested in using media to tell stories of people in developing communities around the world. But as a young and well-intentioned person, I discovered that I was naïve and had no clue of what I was doing. I remember sharing an idea with my mum that to solve issues like poverty and world hunger Why don't we just load up a plane with people in developing countries and fly them to developed countries like Australia? I meant that with the best of intentions, but the simplicity of that statement is laughable now. As I reached the end of my teens, I focused on doing well at school and continued with my love of film and photography, but my good intentions to help the world were put in the too-hard basket. I was fortunate enough to get a great scholarship to study film and graphic design at university And one of the conditions of the scholarship was to do some form of international experience that was somehow related to your degree. Straight away my mind went to studying film for a semester overseas in the US or Canada when someone mentioned to me that this international experience could actually be a volunteer based experience as long as it was related to my degree. So I simply googled filmmaking volunteer opportunities and found one small children's home in Uganda called Rafiki Africa Ministries, looking for a person with skills in media to come and volunteer with them. I was immediately interested. Bear in mind that in this point in my life, I had never travelled overseas without my parents. I'd never been to Uganda, never been to Africa, and the volunteer opportunity was going to be for three months. I was terrified, but I could not shake that it was absolutely the right decision to make. So I packed my camera gear in a bag, bought some malaria tablets, boarded the plane for Uganda, and hoped that the people I'd been in contact with were going to be there to pick me up at the airport. I was leaving to meet and live with complete strangers. Little did I know that in three months these strangers would become my second family and Uganda my second home. Rafiki African Ministries was a small children's home that took care of 21 children who had been abandoned by their parents for various reasons. The children's home worked to reconnect these children with extended family members who caseworkers had managed to track down or worked to have these children connected with local ugandan parents looking to adopt a child my role at this house can be best described as a swiss army man i thought i was going there to work primarily as a filmmaker and photographer but on day one they welcomed me by asking me to dance for them in the center of a dance circle read them a story bathe them and then serve them dinner As overwhelmed as I was, I quickly became popular among the children who referred to me as Uncle Marcus. That was how my days looked for three months, taking care of these children. And when I had time, take photographs and write down the stories of these children so that the children's hope could raise more awareness and funds for the work they were doing. Some days they would take me out to rural parts of Uganda to get a taste for village life and to see the unique struggles of people living outside of a dense city. There was one day about one month into my trip I distinctly remember because I looked into the mirror and I realised that I felt like a different person now. Other than looking a bit scruffy, appearance wise I was quite similar, but inside I felt different. I used to be freaked out by little children, not knowing how to talk to them or how to carry them, now I felt like a big kid. I used to be quiet, introspective and reserved, now I felt like I had something to say. The most I'd ever cried was on the night I said goodbye to the people who had become my family. They built a campfire, and we said farewell the same way we said hello, through dancing. All the kids came and gave me a hug, and told me a special memory we had together. On my flight out of Kampala and back to Perth, Australia, I breathed a sigh of relief. Those three months were the most magical three months of my life, but also the most exhausting, and now it was all over. And At that moment a thought hit me, and it was the sense that this was actually not over. Not over at all. My time in Uganda was over but my primary role was to go back to Australia, share my story and the stories of the people who I'd worked with. That was where the real work was. And that's what I did. I held an exhibition, booked speaking gigs at universities, schools, community groups and churches, sharing my experiences, and it was as if something struck a chord within people. My favourite moments weren't the grand introductions people gave me or the applauses I got, but when someone would quietly come up to me afterwards, sometimes in tears, and say to me, You've given me a lot to think about. What exactly was I sharing, and what was it that was striking a chord in people? What my time in Uganda had shown me was that I was living in an echo chamber, or a bubble, and I didn't even realise it. When you look around and you see people driving similar cars to you, wearing similar clothes, or on a similar salary, you begin to think that you're normal, that you're average you assume that most people in the world have a similar lifestyle to you and that rich people are celebrities, politicians and young tech entrepreneurs. I assumed that I was an average majority, but what my experience in Uganda taught me was that I was not an average majority, but I was a rich minority. I think it's that moment, that moment I share when I speak, that gives people a lot to think about. It takes where you are in your current moment and makes you question why you have reasons to stress, to be anxious, to be worried, to be greedy, when in a global perspective, you actually have it pretty good. What if, rather than aiming for success, we aimed for satisfaction instead, satisfaction with what's already in front of us right now? From those three months in Uganda, I was fortunate enough for more opportunities to open up for me and travel further to Ethiopia, Bangladesh and even rural Australia, telling stories from developing communities before a global pandemic put a pause on my travel plans. Whilst waiting for borders to open, I studied to become a high school teacher and now I teach filmmaking, photography and graphic design to the next generation and I weave in stories from my time overseas. I still take time to speak as much as I can about this topic because I believe it matters And not enough people are taking time to talk about it. Why did I start this podcast? Because when I speak at schools, conferences and universities, there's a small group of people who want to move into the space of engaging in international development work, but don't know where to go or how to start. If that's you, don't worry, that's me too. Coming up are four interviews with people who inspire me and who share their stories of how they started in the field of international development work, the challenges they've faced and the moments that have changed their life. Why is this podcast called Voices Unheard? Because I don't like the statement that people are voiceless. I believe that they have a voice, they just aren't given platforms and we aren't listening to them. This is an attempt to fill that gap and give us ears to hear them. I gave up on this project for two years because I thought with COVID-19 I believe that everyone had their own problems, and no one would be interested in hearing these stories. But two years later, listening back to these interviews, I realised that there's stories of people overcoming and persevering through all difficulties that come their way. And that's encouraging, inspiring, and I think that the world could do with more of that these days. My name's Marcus, and this is Voices Unheard.